grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from Luke 9. About eight days after saying these things, he took with him Peter, James, and John and went up the mountain to pray. Dear friends of Christ, timing. They say timing is everything, and, and that means that a lot of the time it's not good to discuss important family issues at bedtime. Now, you're too tired. You're too tired to resolve anything. In the same vein, same fashion, you know, you don't want to try to discuss every, anything, uh, any, any important family issues as you're rushing out the door, because at that point you're too distracted. No, if you, if you want to solve your family issues, you need to find a time, a proper time to talk about it. Timing is everything. Well, eight days before the transfiguration event, our Savior had told his disciples he dropped a huge bombshell just eight days earlier. Jesus said the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected, be killed, and on the third day be raised. Jesus also said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, if you're one of the disciples, what would you have thought when Jesus, the Messiah, is talking to you and says, you need to take up a cross? Now, these weren't good things, by the way. You know, they're good things now because they represent our salvation, but uh, these weren't good things. You need to take up a cross. Follow me. I'm going to die on a cross. What would you be thinking? Well, I kind of think as they were thinking about Christ and, and how he said he was going to suffer and die at the hand of the enemies, what were they thinking about all that pain, death talk, that taking up the cross talk, that, that self-denial type of talk, that, that rejection type of talk, the losing one's life type of talk? I don't know what the conversation I don't know what it all was about, but I know it needed more time to be resolved. However, it's interesting, Luke never mentions what happens during that next week. What the disciples were thinking, what the disciples did. Just leaves it out. They're just blankness. Luke never mentions all that. Instead, he goes straight from the bombshell, Christ is going to die, you have to take up your cross, to the Transfiguration Mountain. And I wonder if, if during that week some of those disciples didn't have some second thoughts. I wonder if they started thinking, uh, you know, is there a way out? Do I have an exit strategy? Can I leave Jesus? Is there any way I can do something else? Uh, it makes sense that they questioned their enlistment and try to figure out some kind of polite way to go AWOL you know, before things got, you know, really ugly, really bloody with the cross type of talk. But remember, our Lord knows a thing or two about timing. And so our theme this morning, timing is everything. 
Well, Jesus needed to have that important conversation with his disciples, so he takes the three leaders of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, goes with them up to the top of the mountain to pray with him. And as he's there, his face begins to change. That's an odd thing to say, that your face changes. But his clothes changed too. His appearance changed. And he became white. His clothing was even affected. White, like the sun. Too brilliant to look upon, like looking at uh, the eclipse, or looking at the sun during an eclipse. Too brilliant. The emanating light, too pure, too powerful, too holy. Can you imagine that type of light? And then something even more amazing happened. Of course, Moses and Elijah show up. They appeared out of nowhere. Luke says they appeared with Jesus in glory. What does it mean in glory? Well, Jesus was shining in glory, right? The power of God's presence, God himself, was shining in Jesus. The light of God shining. And so, I guess Moses and Elijah, they were in glory too. The presence of God was shining in them. Shining through them. And they were affected. Now notice, Moses had been dead. What's a dead guy doing there? But there he was, back from the dead. How'd that happen? It wasn't the resurrection of all flesh yet. Well, we really don't know. But nothing's impossible with God. And Elijah was also there. But remember, Elijah had never died, so it wasn't so problematic that Elijah was there. Elijah, if you remember the story, uh, he had been such a faithful, great prophet of the Lord that God did not allow him to die, but instead sent the chariots of heaven uh, down, swooping to earth, and picked them up and took him to heaven while he's still alive. And so now Elijah is making a return appearance. A return appearance to earth. And there they were, Moses and Elijah, glowing, standing with Jesus. What were they talking about? Well, it must have been an important conversation because God had to go through a whole lot to bring back two guys from heaven to talk to Jesus on top of the mountain. Right? I mean, Moses and Elijah were there to talk to Jesus about his departure. That's the word, departure. Makes it sound like he was in an airport. But the Greek word is a Greek word that you all know well. Departure. Exodus. You remember the Exodus event in the Old Testament. Moses was there. Remember how Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the slavery, the suffering, the bondage of Pharaoh's hand. Remember how they wandered then, uh, the waters parted, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they entered in the promised land. Whenever the Lord leads his people into an exodus, he always has a promised land in mind for their final destination. Are you in an exodus? Well, it was time for Jesus' exodus. It was time for his departure. So Moses and Elijah were there to talk to him about it because, well, apparently they were kind of experts. They they had been there before. And Jesus makes makes this uh, uh, 
understanding that he was going to be leaving, would there be pain and suffering? Would there be death in the journey? Yes. Would there be rejection? Would there be hatred? Would there be opposition? Yes. But all the turmoil would culminate in the promised land. It was all going to turn out okay, right? Jesus had made a prediction to his disciples eight days earlier. Terrible things are going to take place. He told them about Good Friday and he told them about Easter. I'm going to suffer, die, and rise again. He let them know this is what's going to take place. He's about to make an exit. And, and many of you know what that's like to take an exit. Have you ever been in rush hour, especially if you've been in Chicago or one of the busy cities, and you're, you're going along and, and traffic's just zooming by, and you, you're not familiar with the roads as well, so you don't know, you know, they have those exit onlys, and, and you're going along, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself in an exit only ramp. And so you have to do some evasive maneuvers immediately just to keep just to keep going on the right direction. And if you don't, you, you exit in a place that you hadn't intended. Well, that was Jesus' life. His life was one of an exit ramp. And the exit ramp led to the cross. The exit ramp led to his suffering and death and the darkness of the grave. And Moses and Elijah were there to be what we might call the exit experts. They, they were exodus experts because both of them had been there. They both left this world before. Moses left the world when he died. Moses also understood the exodus because he had parted the waters and led the children in, in a departure out of, out of Egypt into the promised land. Moses knew all about departures and promised lands. Of course, Elijah, centuries later, he knew about departure too because he's the one who had been swooped up by the fiery chariots into heaven in this huge F5 tornado. <laughs> Perhaps this Transfiguration Sunday finds you viewing the exits. And as you sit in that pew or as you're listening along on the radio or on a live stream, what's your exodus event? What thing are you having to deal with? What, what sinful things happening in your life that's causing problems? Something causing difficulties. The events you have to face before facing the Lord in His promised land. And, and maybe, maybe you're feeling like the disciples did the week before all this took place when Jesus announced His death and they're perplexed and they don't know what's going on. And, and maybe as you deal with all that, you, you're frustrated with all this taking up the cross talk, the following Jesus talk, the, the rejection talk, the pain talk, the suffering talk, the death talk, the losing one's life talk. Now, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I do know there's a cost to discipleship. I do know that the life of following in Jesus' footsteps are challenging. They can be painful. 
I also know there are wilderness moments as we make our exodus, our departure. We'll find Jesus in the wilderness next week. Jesus himself in the wilderness will be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Are you in the desert? Are you feeling abandoned? Feeling the cost of discipleship? Bearing your cross? Living for Jesus? Well, continuous cross-bearing and constant self-denial will wear down even the most faithful Christian. It wore on Jesus. Just look at the cross. Look what, look what that constant thing did to him as he lifted his eyes up before his death and he said, let this cup pass from me. When life gets tough like that, it's easy to look for an exit strategy. I need to get out of here. It's easy to call it quits on Jesus. It's easy to give up on Jesus. It's easy to give up on God when life becomes too painful, when the exodus becomes too difficult. But on this day, are you following Jesus more closely or are you planning out an exit strategy? Well, remember the transfiguration on the mountain. The voice of our Almighty God appeared from the cloud and He said, This is my Son, listen to Him. As you're making your exit from this world, are you listening? Where are you at in your life? Are you listening to Jesus? Now, the truth is simple. You know, we don't listen to Jesus. God gave Moses Ten Commandments. We don't know them all. We don't obey them. So often we don't do them. The things God commands us to do in rebellion, we don't. And the God things commands us not to do in disobedience, we do. We sin, we fail, we falter, we struggle, we walk in darkness, we leave the ways of God, we don't listen. So easy to do. In fact, I'd wager to bet that's exactly what's happening to Christians around the world who used to be filling our pews on Sunday. They're in the midst of an exit strategy. They're in the midst of a departure. And they're slowly wandering away. And God says, this is my son, listen to him. This is my son, listen to him. Are you listening? Are you among the listening saints? Before you answer, I want you to go on top of the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And put yourself there with them. And as you stand on that mountain, what are you seeing? What's there? The glory of Christ? Do you, do you see it? Can you see what they saw? Do you believe what they saw really happened? And if it really happened, what does that mean? That the glory of God shines in Jesus. And what does it mean that you believe all that? Now remember, timing is everything. Timing is everything. Jesus knew dark days were coming, not just for his life. Jesus knew dark days were coming in your life too, and that's why he revealed his glory to encourage the disciples, to build them up, 
to help them to endure. Do you think God has a power to shine His glory in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your wilderness, in the midst of your exodus, in the midst of your departure? Does God have the power to shine in you? He does, you know. He does shine in you. And His shining in you makes a difference. His living in you makes a difference. It gives you hope. It makes you strong. To know you're loved by God. And to know that God has an exit strategy planned out for you. An exodus planned for you to leave this earth and go to the promised land. A place where one day you'll be safely delivered home. No more tears, no more suffering, no more wilderness wanderings, no more sickness, no more death, no more exiting. But I want you to look once more at the exodus of Jesus. Remember what Jesus did to save you. Remember his suffering, remember his pain, remember his death, remember his torment, remember his resurrection. <coughs> Jesus exited this world to save you. Now what? Listen to him. He alone has the words of eternal life. Listen to him. Because he brought you into this family through the waters of holy baptism. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah survived their exodus. Jesus survived his exodus. You're going to survive your exodus too, just fine. You'll survive your exodus from this life, and the glory of the Lord will shine on you and through you and all around you for all eternity. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.